And that's why sometimes you don't open up with a funny line. What is going on, everybody? This is the Cover Band Confidential Podcast, the podcast for cover band musicians and band leaders to learn how to rock more and suck less. From Atlanta, Georgia, I am Adam Johnson. From Greensboro, North Carolina, I'm Dan Ray. I decided to do from instead of here in. Okay. It's the same, both but different. Are, both are true. Yeah. Um, it's 2021. And we, um, as much as we said otherwise, really thought that turning over the year would make everything be better. Well, maybe not. <laughs> so much. I will that. say there there are some changes in the whole approach. Anybody who's watching the live stream will notice that I'm actually standing hmm. in my current space. So if you can see the room, I can actually like dance a walk jig. around it. You know. Yeah. So there's a little more movement there, but uh, other than that, everything's pretty much the same. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So how has your day gone so far? Um. It's been um. It's been an interesting day. I can agree with that. <laughs> uh, you know, part of the problem with podcasting, of course, is you try not to be too topical because people are going to make their way through our catalog in three years and find yep. this episode and be like, oh, that's the one that they did after the people busted into the goddamn halls of Congress and tried to take over the yep. planet. But they're not talking about that because it's been years and who knows what's happened since then. But that was the week this was, man. And it's, um, boy. It's wild. It's something. Wild stuff. You know, for uh, for – us, we were kind of discussing, like, I was like, hey, I don't know if I really want to do this. And I was like, maybe we should just talk about literally anything, just so we don't have to talk about this. And he's like, that seems like a viable seems option. like a plan. I mean, we've done distraction casts in the past, so. And this isn't really a distraction cast. We actually have, like, content that we want to discuss. Yeah. But it seemed appropriate to, you know, maybe say something. Something. Um, for anybody who, you know, doesn't want to talk about that, I can say that I've had a particularly stressful day just because I've got kids at home. And we're trying to do online schooling with a kindergartner who does not want to do it. Yeah. And so that's what we've been dealing with. This morning, I, I've, I've eavesdropped on a lot of virtual second grade this year so far. Yeah. And this morning it was, um, okay, children, all right, welcome to class. Boy, I see a lot of feet today. I see a lot of – and a couple of you are actually dancing. That's great. Okay, everybody, please find a comfortable place to sit. And please make yourself available to listen. Her teacher is a saint and – uh but that's kind of what the morning sounded like this morning. I don't know how they do it. Me neither. I, me I neither. truly don't. Yeah, it's amazing. Totally wild. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, outside of, you know, all of that, there's actually been a lot of stuff going on that we can uh, talk about. It's very true. Most of it's good stuff. Yeah. So yeah. why don't we do that instead? Let's do. Hey, should we start with um, the piece of, um, I mean, you know, there was one thing the government did right recently. Yeah. Why don't you go ahead and talk about Absolutely. that? Absolutely. So in the COVID relief package that got passed, um, what, I guess just before the turn of the year, yep. um, there was money in that earmarked especially for live arts performance venues, uh, $10 billion worth actually. And um, nice. Yeah. So that's really good. It's the first sort of relief that's been headed directly at that market. And it's been a obviously hard freaking hit market, much, much as performers have been, venues have been hit hard too. So yeah. um, I wanted to mention it because there was an article in my local um, arts and entertainment weekly magazines website uh, yesterday with a few of our local people saying, wow, this is, I mean, it's not, it doesn't solve everything, but it probably keeps the doors open for the next six months, which may be all we yeah. need. Um, so that's really good news. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it's hitting other markets as, as well. It's, as it's doing here. Cause it's, um, people are saying it's really making a difference. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, our our friend uh, Nick Nespajani and the guys from Yacht Rock Review, yeah. they own a ven- uh, venue down here called Venkman's, and, you know, that was something that in the interview that we did, uh, which you haven't checked, if you haven't checked it out, you absolutely should. Yeah. Um, he does mention the whole Save Our Stages movement and how it would very much Im- affect them. So yeah. yeah, that would all be great. Yep, so that's all good. And while we're on the good news train, um, friend of the pod, Mike Schulte and the Pork Tornadoes did a wonderful live stream for New Year's Eve. It was so good. <laughs> it was such a great and, show. And you know, when we... When he announced that, you know, we were talking about it and, um, you know, he said, we're, we're thinking about tying in, uh, you know, a charity component. Is that something you guys would be interested in partnering with? I said, absolutely. Uh, he said, well, what do you think, you know, what would be a good suggestion? And I suggested songs for kids foundation, which is a, uh, an Atlanta based charity, um, where musicians go into children's hospitals and provide music, uh, for sick kids. Um, which I mean, come on, I don't think you could get a better yeah, charity. I want to go do that. Exactly. So, um, you know, all of my bands have participated in their fundraisers up to this point. They, they used, well, they, they have done, um, an event every year called 500 songs for kids. And it's literally Russian roulette where a band goes up, they play one song, they leave another band comes up, they play one song, they do that 500 times. Nice. Um, it is a wild event. Um, and it's a lot of fun and uh, just wanted to, you know, see what we could do to help them. And so uh, the Pork Tornadoes raised a certain amount of money that they have now given us. And we wanted to kind of sweeten the pot a little bit to see um, for those of you who may not have uh, opted to purchase the live stream, uh, but you still wanted to help us out uh, with raising some money for Songs for Kids Foundation. We are doing a collection via um, either uh, Venmo or PayPal, and we'll post a link to that uh, when we post this episode. If you wanted to um, add a little something-something for the kids, uh, Mike has actually said that any confirmed donation of $10 or more will receive a link to the live stream, so you can go and check that out. And uh, both Dan and I watched it, and it was really damn good. And let me say something. I actually... um, It was was really inspiring. And and part of it is... I mean, I've heard... um, Pork Tornadoes doing stuff, but I haven't, I haven't I, like sat down to watch an hour plus of their work, uh, but before this and, um, God, they're good. And it's partially, um, they have a really, they have a really clear sound. There's a, there's a, yep. there's a Pork Tornadoes sound and it's freaking massive. And it's, um, it's a, it's about bending pop into rock mm-hmm. in a way that's really interesting. Um, but still, being true to the popness of the pop. So it gets the pop audience, but then doesn't, is not limited to that. Um, yeah. I, the way that they handle adapting material is really, really, really clever. And, and um, of course it would be because Mike, Mike's really clever. He's going to surround himself with really clever people and what they're going to do is really clever, but, um, but it's really, it's 10 bucks to be very inspired by some yeah. real masters at what we do is um, worth, worth doing. Well, and, and it's another thing to consider is, you know, we were talking about the economics of this is that the fact of the matter is, is that they made a killing on this <laughs> event. They did really well. So they made their, they made their nut back and then made a boatload of money on top of it enough so that they were able to find $1,500 to donate to charity. Yeah. Um, on top of the fact that now that they've got this very slick package, they have now resold it at least twice for other corporate events. Yeah. So they're making money on top of money. Now, I mean, we've we've all debated whether or not this is a viable option. And, you know, if you have the capital to put your money where your mouth is, 
I think it's it's still worth doing even now as things are kind of we're looking ahead and things are starting to open up having like a prepackaged something yeah. that you can sell I don't think is a bad idea. No, it's genius. Yeah, and, and so, they've they've I think they've definitely proven the model. There's no question yep. about that. And you know, I think they've got a lot of stuff going for them. They've got great branding. Um, they're a very, very talented band. I think, I mean, Mason is definitely their, their X factor. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, their vocalist has a phenomenal, very unique voice. And, um, you know, it makes doing what they do a lot easier, uh, having, you know, a guy like that in the band. Yeah. Well, and, and I don't want to overlook his guitar either. Cause that, that is the source of most of their massive sound is yeah. <laughs> coming straight off his guitar playing, playing mostly, rhythm. I mean, he's a fine lead player too, but like his rhythm stuff is so powerful. It just, it's just, um, and part of it is how that was mixed and how that particular show was put together. And, but, but it, there's something very distinctive about his performance generally. That's, uh, um, X factor, like you say. You yeah. Know. I mean, I, I would challenge a, anybody to find another four piece band that fills that much space. Yeah. yeah, yeah sonically. For sure. Yeah, they're huge. Um, we were playing it at our house on New Year's Eve, and we had uh, some friends over right before I got exposed to COVID. We nice. talked about that. <laughs> um, and uh, the uh, Truth Hurts was the one that uh, stood out mm -hmm. to uh, to our guests. Mm -hmm. But yeah, um, fun fact, I, I was exposed to uh, COVID at work, and I have actually been home for the past week straight pending a COVID test because I've got a gig tomorrow, and I didn't know if I was going to be able to do it. Luckily mm. enough, on Tuesday, I got the report back, and I got a clean bill of health. Excellent. I'm just going to sing in a mask in a, at an event. Cool. Um, just to be safe. We, ha we had a rehearsal, mm. which was wild. Yeah. People in, people in, the, in the space. Um, Down there in the, in the dungeon? In the dungeon, which yeah. is actually very, very cold right now, but you know, uh, we're we're making it work. And this has actually been my work from home spot. I'm the the space that I'm doing this on is actually our front of house rig with a rack on top of it. So I sent a picture. I was like, "Hey, check out my twenty thousand dollars standing That's right. desk." That's right. That's very impressive. <laughs> but no, it's it was awesome just to just be in the room with with three guys, even in masks, singing through masks. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Sounded really good, and um, you know we're we're trying a lot of stuff for this. This is a, our first uh, official gig out uh, as a trio uh, this year. Uh, we had tried it once before, and it didn't. You know, we didn't have enough time to kind of like work through it. I think we're getting better at that. Uh, our new music director is a part of that. We're going to be running everything through Ableton, and we're still kind of tweaking that a little bit. Uh, we are running the drums, which we have never done before, mm. um, but the. The, the space that we're doing this at is a, is a museum and we're playing in this giant atrium and the stage is literally underneath a brontosaurus. Sweet. But, which, I mean, it, which is amazing, but the reality of the situation is, is that there are 70 foot ceilings and it's stone floors, brick walls, yeah. and just glass everywhere. Yeah. So um, they have a house PA, which is like four what we would consider speaker tops or monitors. And so we were running everything through that, no sound on stage. You know, we were like, let's reduce all the noise. So it's at least coming from a single source. So at least it, it sounds a bit more focused. Yeah. Yeah. We did a show in a former factory space. that was all concrete. It was um, maybe similar dimensions, but you know, literally concrete slab walls and yeah, Cavernous. It, it was soup. There was, it was not uh, just, it was just impossible to get a good sound out of it. So we did our best well, and people know, enjoyed it. You know, they didn't, yeah. know, they didn't know any better. We're, we're definitely excited to, um, 
you know, to give it a shot. And um, this is going to be uh, something that we're going to try and do a bit more of in the future, just because um, as things kind of open up, smaller head count, you know, kind of lines up with the pay structure for, for sure. events that can't really have high capacities yep. and can do socially distanced things. You know, um, the, the only reason why we're doing an indoor gig is because it's at a science museum and they're like, yeah, we're going to do this the right way. So, um, but yeah, it, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. That's great. It's going to be, it's going to be, uh, it's, it's two hours. I mean, come yeah. on. Yeah. You can do two hours. An hour set of break and another hour set. We're, we're good to go. Peace cake. So yeah, um, in other news, um, we are do we, I got a call from, um, a friend of a friend who is in the spirits business. Uh, he, he, uh, is the marketing director for a distillery and they are in the process of building out an event space and, uh, they approached, uh, members only specifically, but like, you know, kind of positioning the whole idea, the, the agency as a whole to be their vendor. Yeah. For that space. Cool. So um, we had a conversation today and I think we're kind of on the same page. Next steps for us is we're going to basically build a menu uh, for them to pitch to their clients to say, well, if you want live entertainment, this is what it's going to cost and this is what it includes and all of that. And, you know, for us, that kind of puts us in a position where we'll have more steady work and we'll be able to um, potentially spin up uh some of the acts that we've been kind of working through for the past year or so or two years and, and make them standalone, you know, deals yeah. and, and get, give some work to some more musicians. That so, is great. You know, the other thing that happens when you have a, a, like a steady gig at a place is you learn the place, you know, you mm-hmm. learn how the sound setup works best. You can store some EQs in your rig that you don't have to re set up every time. You know, it, it becomes a lot more efficient. When we were playing monthly at Pig Pounder, I was in and out of that place in an hour. Cause I knew it really well. I, I already had, yeah. I could just pull something out of my system's memory and be set. Um, so that's, you know, for, uh, yeah, for us, what we're looking at is the, the possibility, you know, currently we would be providing production, um, in, in what they're dealing with, which is they're, they're going to build out in phases and phase one, um, which is basically making it a functional space is going to be done by March wow. end of March. Cool. So it's, 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 kind of we're staring down the barrel of it. Um, and then moving down into further phases, we, they would be per, like putting in their own system, yeah. which we would, we would help kind of foster and curate the, yeah, that sp- whole deal spec as well. it out and help them plan. That's, yeah. that's great. That's great. It's very exciting. And you know, this could be, you know, I, I don't want to put a, any cart in front of any horse, but it could be a big deal. Yeah. And it could be uh, very lucrative, um, for the operation. Yeah. So. That's fantastic pretty excited about it. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah. I will say I had a, um, the one gig on my, on my calendar canceled this week, <laughs> which was a wedding. I was going to play a solo acoustic show in May. And the guy got in touch with me and just said, we can't be certain even about May. So, oh. um, and he tried to give me the deposit. Um, don't worry about paying that back. And I said, look, I'll roll it over to a party that we'll have when we can party. Yeah, I think so, that's the move right now. Yeah. You know, for anybody who's who's doing this kind of work, you know, if people are planning on postponing, just hang on to your money. Yeah. Um, unless they ask for it. And if they ask for it back, you know. Okay. That, nah. But that's another thing we need to talk. We've talked about it before. I, I harp on it every time. But if you are putting something in a contract, it is not a deposit. Right. It is a reservation fee. Right. 
which is non-refundable. Right. Deposits are refundable. Fees are not. Right. Ooh, speaking of fees. Ooh. Oh, here's a fun one. This is one I actually need your guys' help with. Um, and anybody who is listening to this, uh, send me an email, coverbandconfidential at gmail.com. I got an, a notification today that the bank that I've been using for ATL party bands is closing. Ooh. Uh, Aslo, which is a um, like an online business banking yeah. situation. Yeah, I've been super happy with their products, but apparently they just couldn't keep the lights on. So just transferred all of that money out, and um, not sure where to go. Uh, not happy with Bank of America with for my personal stuff. So I am looking uh, at other options. So if anybody out there, uh, you know, is running their LLC per- through a particular bank, I'm looking for something with low fees. Um, easy online pay and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, hit me up. I would love to hear about it. Yep, it's good. And you're looking for a pretty much online virtual yeah. e-bank. Doesn't need to have branches for you. You just yeah. We don't deal in cash like ever. Right. Um, I just need to be able to accept checks and then uh, send payments out electronically. Right. So right. don't need much. Cool. Yeah. Good. Get some input. I uh, I bank at a credit union here that. Um, wouldn't help you. It's local. So <laughs> what are you going to do? Oh, well. Oh, well. Listen, I got one other thing, one other piece of kind of news, sort of news. Um, I saw a movie. What'd you, what'd you see? I saw it. Well, I didn't go to it. I saw it sitting on my couch. Uh, it is on HBO Max and it is called American Utopia. Okay. What are your feelings on the talking heads? I, I'm a, I'm kind of ambivalent to the talking heads. Um, I know that there's a lot of people who really, really like kind of worship at their feet. I'm not one of those people. If Talking Heads comes on, I may not necessarily turn it off, but I like David Byrne as a concept. Yes. And, he, um, yes. And he is highly conceptual. That's yes. Yeah. 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 And I will say that uh, he played uh, a bit part in the Netflix special, John Mulaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch. <laughs> and uh, I really, really loved that. So right. I, I, I right. can say that I'm very pro David Byrne. Okay. Well, this is a David Byrne production. Yes. Um, I, I know. I know ex- yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I am a massive, massive Talking Heads fan, have been since college. My way into it was their um, best of double album called Sand in the Vaseline. And then I went deep on a lot of a lot of it and i would have said up until seeing this movie that the best concert film ever made was stop making sense okay which is freaking brilliant partially because david byrne is such an amazing storyteller on stage and visually and the way that he sort of sculpts a performance is just very very unique and, and, and amazing and then the film did a great job of telling that story too well same is absolutely true for american utopia and it was spike um spike lee made the film and, um, Spike Lee or Spike Jones? Spike Lee. Okay. Um, just want to make sure. Yeah, I said they're both, said they're both directors. I said I said a j there, but I, it was really yeah. Spike Lee. And what's cool about this show? So it was David Byrne did this show on tour, and then has had it on Broadway for a while. And mm-hmm. um, so his band is all wireless. Every one of them, the, the singers, and there are half of them sing. All have wireless headset mics and in-ear monitors and wireless instruments. He's got a bass, a guitar and a keyboard, a guy with like a keyboard on like a shoulder mounted thing that's wireless. And then two backup singers and six percussionists. 
Yeah, like a drum line. It's basically. like a drum line. And they're all, they've all got sort of marching drum stuff and then some other kind of things that maybe I didn't even recognize some of it. Um, and they're doing this choreographed stuff on stage as they are performing. They are the band. That's the band. Every yeah. sound you hear is coming out of them. And um, God, it's just super good. It's I don't think you even have to be a Talking Heads fan to appreciate the, the genius of it. Um, yeah. It's making me think about, you know, do I really, when I when we get back to like performing as a band, do I really want a mic on a stand or do I want a headset really? My guitar's wireless. Um, I know. I'm like, there are things to talk about. I don't know. But um, there are, it just, it really is um, mind blowing about what you could put on uh, given the current state of wireless tech. And um, yeah, I, so for, for people who aren't necessarily able to visualize it, what, what Dan is describing is basically a bl- an empty stage. Yeah where every instrument is mobile and is being performed with choreography. Yes. So it is a this is a theater production. Yes. This is um a very high concept concert yes. experience. Yes. Um but also a rock mean, show. Yes. <laughs> you know. Um yeah. I know that I my first introduction to this particular tour um, was on one of the late night talk shows. I think he did once in a lifetime. Mm, yeah. Maybe on SNL. It may have been on Fallon or one of the others. Um, and I just like, it was very stark. I feel like everybody was wearing like gray. They are. They're all in the same um, kind of color suits. Um, and then the, the way the stage design is, it's, um, it's, chains thin chains hanging down to make walls on the backstage and side stage and it's a perfect square so it's as wide as the proscenium and as deep as the proscenium is wide so it's square on the yeah. floor and then they do things where you know they'll light somebody who's standing outside it so you can kind of see them through the chains and there are sometimes when they're like making light effects happen through through the chains of it and 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 then in the in the as they're doing the last song and getting ready to do the the um encore those all fly up out and what you're left with is this wide open stage with a brick upstage wall and just nothing but these performers it's yeah it's visually just incredible and um yeah for for all its starkness its starkness you know is part of what they're playing with in it it's uh yeah i could go on and on and i already kind of have it, you i yeah. st- strong recommend american utopia fantastic yeah it's really really very, very good. good yeah well um I started watching Cobra Kai. <laughs> I haven't gotten to that yet. It's re- it's really good. Yeah, yeah. Listen, in, I, in, in, in season, my my off. one criticism is that every time the boy and the girl look at each other, it turns into um after school movie. It's like filmed in like this very sort of I don't know. I don't know. It gets cheesy. Earnest. Though. Yeah. It's yeah. Something about it. Like I don't know. I love I love the concept. I love all the references. Um, there's some moments where I cringe a little bit just at how it's done, but. But but I do love it deep in my soul. Very good. Yeah. Well, let's see. Any other fun things that we have before? The- nope. I think we're caught up. We're caught up. Um. So let's we're, we we got to shift into gear. Let's, let's do talk. It. Up, let's let's do gear talk. Let's do gear talk. So the most important thing that has happened this week relating to gear in our world is that. Gibson has bought Mesa Boogie amplifiers. Yeah. And as a person who owns Gibson uh, guitars and a person who owns Mesa Boogie amps, I'd like to say, eh. okay. Yeah. 
You know, uh, I feel like there's been a lot of hot takes and this one will, you know, you can throw that on the pile with the rest of the rest of the hot takes. I don't have a lot of thought around this in particular. I think I see it, uh, from both sides, you know, um, we, we hear a lot about Gibson and quality control and that kind of thing. And I think the bad press that they have is warranted. They have earned the bad press that they have received. Um, but you know, when JC Curley took the company over, I think that they have figured out a few things and I think that they are approaching things the right way in that they are poised to kind of reestablish their place in the, in the market. Um, the problem with their place in the market is that they are a very expensive product that's being sold to a, an older audience. And, um, Mesa, Mesa makes great amps and they've made great amps for a long time. I didn't know this. Mesa Boogie has actually been in existence since 1969. Wow. Randall Smith has been making amps that long. And, you know, their claim to fame initially was that they were taking these old Fender amps, they were hot rodding them. Um, and that's kind of where he got started. And, you know, guys like Santana kind of got amps from them and then he started designing his own and it all kind of blew up. You know, I feel like they kind of hit their apex in the nineties, you know, the new metal kind of world is where they kind of like, at some point in that era, if you were in a rock band or a metal band, you were playing a dual rectifier and a Les Paul or a PRS. That was just what was fashionable at the time. Um, and you know, They've still, they've continued to make good amps, um, but I've had a lot of bad Mesa amps. I had a Mesa uh, dual rectifier Tremoverb that like was always in the shop. M the The story I always tell people when they're like, well, how did you get endorsed by Orange Amplifiers? I got, a, I, I, I say I, I got a pity endorsement <laughs> um, because we were friends and, you know, the, we played shows with a band that their, their USA and our guy um we used to play shows with them all the time. And both me and the other guitar player had Mesa amps and they were always breaking. And so one day he was literally like, I was like, I sent him an email. I was like, Hey man, you like, could you like help us out? And he was like, fine. And I, I, I got the, you know, that's how we got the endorsement. That was literally how. And, um, you know, I still have a, I still have a Mesa amp. I've got the first tube amp I ever, I ever bought was a, a Mesa subway rocket. And it's sitting right over there. It's actually sitting right on top of my orange rocker verb. Um, it's a great amp. And they continue to make great amps, but they haven't really done anything to kind of make a lot of waves in the in that world recently. Um, have you ever owned a Mesa Boogie amp? I, I haven't, no. You know, it is a, they are, they're kind of in a particular lane. And I think they've done pretty good um, over the years trying to find different lanes. The, the, the Lone Star amps uh, are great clean amps with a lot of headroom that a lot of country guys definitely like latched onto. I've played a few of those for, uh, at gigs and they're, they're very good amps. Um, they've made a lot of, you know, they, they were very innovative for a very long time. And then I think they kind of just fell off, you know, right now, as far as like high gain amps go, there are smaller companies like rev that are just like eating their lunch right now. Um, so I think, you know, looking at it from a couple of angles, 
it's a good move for them. You know, if we're talking about like a company that Randall Smith started, Randall Smith was born in 1946. So he's not a spring chicken. He's he's looking for opportunities to, you know, maybe back out a little bit. Now he's he's got a creative post um, in this new agreement. And, um, you know, Gibson has no amps. They don't have an amp line. Um, there's been a lot of talk about potentially having Randall help them design or um, release some historic models with, you know, his flair on them. But, you know, there's, it's, it's more question marks than, than, than answers right now. So, you know, the market's just going to ha- going to have to figure that out. There's been a lot of joking about, you know, well, now I can sell this, this, uh, subway rocket as a pre Gibson, right, right. uh, and maybe make a few extra bucks. Uh, I'll never do that. It's, it's, you know, it's there for sentimental reasons and it, I still gig out with it. If I need like a, a small kick around, yeah, it's a fantastic option. So <laughs> it'll be interesting to see what happens. I, it's, um, Especially this time of the world, um, I think there are going to be more and more of these sorts of things that um, this one's kind of a fit, 80% maybe. Um, be interesting to see how that how that goes. You know, I can see a couple of things happening. Potentially, you know, they're able to kind of make headway and in like position themselves in a particular market that like makes sense and kind of re-enters you know, a more modern, um, guitar music era. Uh, but we'll just have to see. I think, I mean, they have both, they have both kind of hung their hats on legacy concepts and legacy architecture. Yep. Yep. Which in the guitar world, it's not a losing concept. Guitarists are very conservative in terms of these things and don't, don't really cotton to change that well. So, okay. You know, maybe that'll be great for them. We'll just have to see. Um, I don't think, I don't think JC Curly would have done it without you know having some sort of roadmap and game plan sure, to sure. figure it out. Sure. But yeah, I, I, it doesn't make me want to go out and buy anything. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. If I'm being very right. honest, that's kind of the thing. That's kind of the thing. So now, you, best of luck to to both parties involved. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, of course, about the other relationship that got announced yesterday. Um, what was that? We, we didn't touch base about this um, earlier, mm. but um, Sweetwater and Music Tribe uh, yesterday announced that they're entering into, they're calling a super partnership. So they're not a merger okay. or an acquisition or anything like that, but they now have a relationship. And Music Tribe is the company that is behind brands like TC Helicon and TC Electronic and Behringer and, and Behringer and, and, and Yeah, a bunch of things, a bunch of things. Um, so this new partnership makes uh, Sweetwater, gives Sweetwater exclusivity on a bunch of their products. Hmm. Um, and put Sweetwater um, in the position of being the tech support arm, the U.S. tech support arm for Music Tribe. Wow. Right? So Sweetwater's really well positioned in terms of relationship with a customer, the consumer yeah. level, right? So they're now the front end on tech support to Music Tribe. They are going to be working with Music Tribe on product development and product engineering. Um, and they say that they are going to be um, – they're 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 using that relationship to streamline their um, product sourcing such that they will never be out of stock at Sweetwater, and they can lower prices at Sweetwater by up to forty percent. What? Yeah. Okay. So this is like literally the polar opposite. Yeah. Announcement. Yeah. Exactly. As far as like mergers. Yeah. Go. Exactly. Exactly. I'm like a hundred percent stoked on this. I one. know. There's all kinds of stuff I want to buy now because um yeah because like 
Sweetwater just takes great care of their customers. Like great. Some, uh, the joke is way too good care of their customers. Yeah. Um, and, um, some of Behringen's brands have done pretty okay at marketing, but none of them have done fantastic. Yeah. Um, so Sweetwater's going to be doing some marketing work with them and the support stuff. And I think that's a, I think that's a huge win for music electronics consumers. Yeah. I think it's massive. Well, you know, and, and I think it's going to be interesting to see, I feel like over the next couple of months, we're going to see a lot of this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And you're definitely going to be hearing a lot more about this on the podcast, you know, as we wait for, for gigs to start again. Um, but you know, so, with, with Nam not happening, right. um, I don't think there's going to be this whole, like, hurry up and wait deal to like, wait to drop a bunch of announcements. So I feel like we're on the cusp of a bunch of stuff dropping, you know, um, all of my front of house stuff is Behringer. We've got an X32 and I've got an XR16 um, as my rehearsal rig. And, you know, I bought my full, like our full PA from Sweetwater. So, um, man, I would love for some stuff that I have on my to buy list to drop in price up to 40%. Right? That would be stupendous. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be pretty amazing. Yeah. I'd be very happy with that. Yeah, for sure. Very cool. Yep. Yeah, that is awesome. Well, there you have it. There you have it. I think, I think that's good. I think we're done. All right. Let's call Do it right Do you have anything there. else? Um, well, I, listen, this is a little, yes, I do. do have, I do have one of them. Do it. I like cheap guitars. I gig, yeah? cheap, I gig cheap guitars, mostly. The, um, I do too. The Fender uh, Acoustic Sonic Tele is the most expensive guitar I own and by a large margin, the most expensive guitar I gig. Um, and I need it for some particular things it does, so it's worth it. But uh, I always kind of have an eye out on Agile and um, uh, Rondo Music is where Agile's from. And a few other yeah. sort of, you know, they're they're importing guitars from Asia that are CNC milled and quality things that are made cheap. And that's Consistent, good. but yeah. Consistent, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Listen, they're not, whatever. They're not fantastic, but but they do okay. And my go-to uh, um, acts for two years now has been a Rondo agile, uh, gold top Les Paul clone, which I love. Um, I got a Facebook ad about hard luck Kings. Do you know hard luck Kings? I, I do know hard luck. Kings. Similar, similar concept. Um, yep. and I came across a strat format in gold metallic flake. Now here's another thing about me and guitars. I am a sucker for a shiny guitar. I like gold. I like gold. I like my, my first, the first guitar I ever owned, first electric guitar I ever owned, I bought for 60 bucks in a pawn shop in Salt Lake City and it was red metallic flake. And, and the pictures I saw after the first gig I ever played under real lights where it just lit up, I'm hooked. I'm hooked. I'm yeah. a, my metallic shiny guitar is fully my jam. Doesn't have to be gold, but this one is. And, um, and it's 200 bucks and I have no, I have no need for it. I have zero. I have less than no need for it. My need for it is negative. Yeah. But my want for it is really high. And the price point makes it kind of a almost no brainer, but I haven't done it yet because I feel silly buying a guitar. I will also note, I have not run this past my wife. Um, sure. Uh, buying a guitar, I definitely don't need, but would gig the crack, the crap out of. And, um, and then I would be my, the two guitars I would take would both be, Gold metallic, shiny gold, and then and that would be my really thing. the golden guitar. I'd be the guy, golden. Right? I'd be the golden child, and um, 
The only thing about it is it's it's H two humbuckers. And for me, a strat kind of needs to be single coil. Um I don't know. Can I just say please? You know, talk me down. Get me off this ledge. Come on. <laughs> no, no, I'm I, I don't think I'm doing that. I oh. think I'm about to do something much worse than oh, that. No. Um right. you know, in my rehearsals with you know, with the band is I've been using the um the Steinberger because the Explorer, which I really want to gig out, has been worked on. It may be it it may be done tomorrow. We'll, cool. we'll see. Um but I've gotten really, really accustomed to an HSH configuration. I really like a five-way option. Yeah. This one's that this is only two humbuckers, but still. Wait, are they tappable? No. 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 You Tw- can fix that. I can fix that. I, well, and that is the thing. It could be a great modding platform. Well, yeah. I mean, you're you're more than likely going to have to swap a bunch of stuff out anyway. Probably. I mean, you know, the reviews for Hard Luck Kings are not fantastic, but they do say the electronics are not junk. Not they're not fantastic, but they're not junk. Um, you know, as far as like cheapo imports go, I'm a big fan of GFS's stuff. Mm-hmm. Guitar fetish. Yep. Um, they may have something like that. I know that. But is it they've been selling some like shiny, Kelly style ones. Shiny metallic gold. That's the that's the cr- that's the only, literally the only reason I'm interested in this guitar. Um, which is a ridiculous reason, but for, the, the thing that I'm the thing that I'm sort of back in the awareness of is that gear acquisition is not logical. It's an emotional nope. emotional you see phenomenon, it and you go imagine oh, what this would look like on me. Yeah, I'd be so cool. So I mean. I have absolutely no need for a Gretsch White Falcon, but I'll be damned if I don't want one. Yeah, no, I get it. And you know what I really want is I want the Billy Duffy Signature White Falcon with the silver sparkle accents and not the, instead of the gold ones. Shiny. It looks amazing. And it's $5,000. I have absolutely no need for a $5,000 guitar. Right. But I want one. Mine's only two. Yeah, two hundred. Hundred, two hundred. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> not too So yeah, it's almost. I mean, listen. No, that's that's the that's the. They're um, practically giving it away. That's really where I need to keep truing myself up to. Is like at least it's not a five thousand dollar guitar I'm having. Yeah. Uh, irrational lust for. Well, you know, I, I think if you are going to be impulsive about a guitar purchase, a two hundred dollar one is probably for sure. Right that is absolutely the one to be impulsive about. Yeah. You know, yeah, that Steinberger was 175 bucks on Facebook. It was it was an easy idea. I'm actually considering getting that thing plaqued, which would cost way more than the guitar cost. Right, right. right. But would make it a practically perfect instrument. Yeah. And and I I'm having a hard time not justifying doing that. Yeah. So. Well, it's so on brand for you too. It's it's perfect. It's it's also one of my favorite guitars just in general. Yeah. Um, my leader said, I don't think I've ever seen a neck that straight on a guitar in my life. Huh. And it, it, it is, you know, the, the frets aren't great, but the neck is, you know, just super flat and very easy to play. So that's good. Big fan. That's good. Well, big listen, big my $60 guitar, I, I bought it when I was 15 and it's the guitar that I built my hands around. No other guitar feels like it. It it is what feels like the home guitar to me. Its electronics are totally screwed up. It's completely unplayable right now. But um, <laughs> but the minute I can you know deal with that, that maybe that maybe that's what I need to just do is have that be my my modding platform and work from there and spend that money on pickups and stuff. 
I mean, you can get a loaded pick guard. Like you don't even have to do that much. Now. It's true. You just yeah, you just unscrew it, drop it in. Yeah, that's all true. You should look on Reverb. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of those afoot. And it or is the, the guitar that in pictures was shiny that made me fixate on shiny guitars. Could be. So. Yeah, maybe you go on GFS then and you do that instead. Could be. You could spend $200, but you'll spend $200 on a guitar you already have. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> maybe that's the move. Yeah. All right. We'll check it out. I'll, uh, I'll keep you posted. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, guys, thanks for, uh, tuning in. You know, we are going to do our best to fill these, uh, these episodes with fun things to talk about until we, we can get this back time. out there. I think we did great. I, this, this was all meatballs. There was like no one topic, but it's great. We didn't really fall down any sort of rabbit holes that are going to get us, you know, canceled or whatever. So hate mailed. I think we, I think we can all agree that Boxed. shiny guitars are cool. Shiny guitars are cool. Gibson guitars are expensive. And we all and, want a TC um, Helicon. Yeah, I think those are all, I think we're all on the same page. I love it. Well, guys, uh, thanks again. Uh, if you are still thinking about it, I would really, really love if you would consider uh, donating to Songs for Kids so that we could send them a really nice big check uh, on behalf of this community. I know that you guys can be super generous. We already had a $100 donation uh, this week via Facebook, and um, I know that there's there's more generosity out there. So if you guys are interested in doing that, um, we will provide the links in the show notes. Should so. we mention we delivered the goods on the Christmas contest? Yes, we we did. So um, Braxton did get back to us, and he opted for the rock and roller cart. Good choice. Uh, yeah, I think that's a that's a total no brainer. Yep. Uh, so yeah, he'll he should be getting that, and um, we'll do a little video situation and post it on uh, socials or YouTube uh, once it's ready. Cool. So yeah. Guys, thanks again for tuning in and for your continued support. If you want to support us anymore, do the things that Dan's about to say. I'm Adam Johnson in Atlanta, Georgia. And I'm Dan Ray in Greensboro, North Carolina. Switching it up. I love Gotta it. Gotta keep it I fresh. It. I love it. You've been listening to the Cover Band Confidential Podcast, episode 136. Have a great week. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. If you want to help us, be sure to share us with your friends, follow us on social media, and if you haven't already, please leave a review for us on the podcast platform of your choice. Facebook.com slash CoverBandConfidential, Instagram at CoverBandConfidential, and Twitter at CoverBandConfid. If you have any questions, please email us at CoverBandConfidential at gmail.com, and consider supporting us on Patreon, Patreon.com slash CoverBandConfidential. And for more info, check out www.CoverBandConfidential.com. <laughs>